We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Inside Nation Sports Talk, it is Wednesday, and that means mailbag day. And I tell you what, I've been teasing for the last two days. Special uh, special guest host coming up today, and here he is. You've got two Shans today. Sean Davis, our old friend from the Lucky Lefty Network, is with us. This is just the second time that uh, Sean and I have been together. Welcome. Glad to have you back. Glad to be back with you, Sean A., Anytime you can get two Sean's on a show, that's a special that's right. show. That's right. Doesn't matter how you spell it. That's right. It's Sean. <laughs> that's all that matters. As Salty says, Sean and Sean, going to be a good one. And uh, some others welcoming Sean Davis in today. And uh, I tell you what, we got uh, we got Notre Dame. We got Louisville coming up this Saturday. So we've got plenty of stuff, of course, that we can talk about there with questions. And, and uh, Sean covers... Sean Davis, of course, I'm not talking about myself in uh, in the third person. <laughs> Sean covers <laughs> some recruiting. So unlike if it was just Vince and I, you can actually ask some recruiting questions tonight. Vince and I are um, recruiting neutral at best, <laughs> I think. So uh, Notre Dame women, speaking of recruiting, they got a, uh, a yeah. big, a big uh, five-star prospect uh, re- uh, committed today katarina koval she uh, she came over to the united states from ukraine a couple of years ago she's in new york she was the new york uh, gatorade player of the year last year helped her team win a state championship so they got a big uh, recruiting get for the 2024 class and it won't be too long they'll be doing basketball you know does signing day in november so we're i think we're roughly a month or so yeah. away from that so big get for Neil ivy she just keeps raking in those five stars always good you, to see do you think the uh women's squad is the other than lacrosse who just won a national championship uh-huh. are they the next squad that's probably the closest to winning a national title do you think on the campus i i i would think so because yeah. i've been saying since last year with everything that they've got coming back and you know just just the whole thing i think that you know, there are especially because of NIL, like, like Caitlin Clark is already talking, like she's got this year, plus she could stay next year. Right. If she wants to like, and um, uh, Elizabeth Kitley out at Virginia tech, I was drawing a blank there for a second. Their big post player out there. She could have 
left oh. after this past season, but she decided yeah. to come back because she got some NIL stuff. And so she's staying around. Like there are, my, my point is there are a lot of good teams. I think that yeah. Notre Dame definitely at the very least has realistic sights on getting to a final four this season, but there are probably a good 10 or 12 teams, at least entering the season that are going to be in that conversation. You know, not, not just Notre Dame. There are a lot of good teams this year. Yeah, because be of the a, NIL and the transfer yeah. portal, like you said, Virginia Tech really, I think everybody thought Virginia Tech would be improved, but we didn't know they would be as, as good as they ended up being going into the season. So like you said, 10 teams, and then you'll have another two teams that you didn't expect that got a couple of transfers, and they end up being really good teams. So I love it, though. I love the parity. I love the parity we're seeing in college football this year. For sure. I think it, I think it's great all around for the colleges, the universities, and the fans. Yep. We got a, a fun season opener coming up here in just a little bit more than a month when yeah. uh, we go to Paris for Notre Dame and South Carolina. That's going to be a lot of fun as well. All right. Well, the questions are starting to roll in. So let's just jump into this mailbag and, okay. and see what kind of stuff we can tackle. David Carpenter was one of the first ones in here. He had a slew of questions. David did. What are the first things you're going to be looking for in the game Saturday on offense and on defense? Uh, offensively, I just want to see Notre Dame get back into a rhythm. They were a very efficient offense early in the season. Not a lot of penalties, not a lot of mistakes. And they were able to really drive the ball every time they got the ball. And if they made a mistake, it was because they missed the pass or someone dropped the pass or simple things like that. But they were always ahead of the sticks. They didn't have second and 15, mm -hmm. first and 15. So I want to see them get back to playing efficient offensive football. Defensively, I, you know what? I really have come to a place, Sean, where I am very complimentary. And I haven't always been this way, but I am at a place where I've been very complimentary of Al Golden as of late. I really have. Yeah. I think he's done a great job. And I, I don't understand it when he said it before the season, but he said coming in as late as he did last year, he really didn't get an opportunity to custom his approach to each team because he didn't have knowledge of each team. And he said this offseason, he felt like he could really go and game plan each game differently because he's had a chance to watch each team over in the off season. Right. And I think the approach and the, just the way he had Riley Leonard confused in the first half yesterday with the different cut coverages and everything. I think that goes to show that that is one of his strengths and this defense is playing so much better than I really expected them to play. I knew the back end would be pretty good. Mm -hmm. he, you know, People complain about some things with the linebackers and the D-line, but you can't argue with results. They, they really played their hearts out. I, I was going to say, I think the front seven played one of the best games they've played all year against Duke last mm -hmm. week with just the way they defended, as you said, Riley Leonard and really kind of keeping him confused as much as possible, not just as a passer, but as a runner as well with some of the yeah. loops and stunts and slides and things like that that they were doing You know, to be able to – to shut him down you know do they need to tackle a little bit better here and there yeah but at the Absolutely. same time you know they were they were at least in 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 the right place and, and I think what I'm looking for this Saturday against Louisville defensively is just 
because they've they've got this big downfield stretch the field offense with all the 30 plus yard plays they're second in the nation in 30 plus yard passing plays lead the nation in 40 plus yard passing plays i'm i'm pretty confident that that benjamin morris and cam hart and the rest of that secondary are are going to you know more than hang with these guys that that, that yeah. they'll that they'll do good but i th- i think that that's going to be kind of the first thing to look at because if they hit a couple early on that it helps their run get you know kind of open up their run game as well as explosive as they can be and if i'm not mistaken I, I believe they have the leading rusher in the acc as well i believe so yeah so yeah. you know the balance they you know they run the ball 54 percent of the time and then they go heavy play action to like take advantage of downfield opportunities like you said and they have two or three tall wide receivers mm-hmm. that are like six two six three can stretch the field and Jack Plummer, who this is our third time facing him, third consecutive year, right? He faced him at Purdue and then at Cal, and now he's at Louisville. So uh, the one thing we can do is put pressure on him because he's not really good at scrambling. So if you can pressure him and get him off his mark, it will bowl well. Sacked him six times last year. So, yes, exactly, exactly right. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The month of October is going to be jam-packed with huge games for Notre Dame. And ticket hunting for those games can be stressful, which is why you need to check out Game Time. Whether you're looking for last-minute tickets to this week's top 25 matchup between the Irish and Louisville, or next week when Notre Dame takes on USC, Game Time is the go-to place for you. That's where I went and got tickets to the Notre Dame-Clemson game for my mom and dad. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're set. 
Tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code IRISH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code IRISH for $20 off. Download the GameTime app today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. That's GameTime.co. All right, man. A lot of other. Coleman Smith has the recruiting question for you. Scale of 1 to 10, the chances Notre Dame can land Chris Burgess and Talon Taylor, a couple of Chicagoland guys. Yeah, Talon Taylor. I'll start with him. Uh, young man, wide receiver of the suburbs of Chicago. Um, his mother, all mothers, fall in love with Notre Dame. Uh-huh. You know, I would give him somewhere right now my confidence level would be at about eight to nine. Okay. Uh, you have Miami that's hot on his trail. Wisconsin is hot on his trail. Uh, of course, Notre Dame. And then I fully expect that late, because this is what they do, SEC schools will jump in a little bit later and start to offer him because he's been having a fantastic prep season. So, but right now, I would set it at about eight, nine for Notre Dame, the land of services of Talon Taylor. Chris Burgess out of Simeon here in Chicago has a great relationship with the staff, has a great relationship with Al Washington, talks very highly of uh, Al Washington and Al Golden and Marcus Freeman. And um, Colorado really just jumped on him. And that's what I'm interested in seeing, like how this Colorado thing goes, because I believe he was at the game last weekend at the USC game. And I think he's going to be at the Notre Dame-USC game. He'll be coming to South Bend. And I think that, if I'm not mistaken, that will be his fourth or fifth trip to South Bend. So that just goes to show his level of interest, you know. So, yeah. I, I will say uh, my confidence level is about a seven for Chris Burgess right now. So both of them fairly high then. Seven for Burgess, yeah. eight, nine for for Taylor. That's that's pretty good odds for yeah. both of them. So that would be yep. very good. All right. All right. Good stuff. Tim with an interesting question here. Of course, the penalty bug has bitten this team. They're averaging eight and a half penalties a game over their last four games. And everyone, you know. The 12 penalties last week obviously stand out. He says, do you guys believe in gassers slash suicides to cure the penalty bug? It would be 12 of them 70 yards long this week. That's what they did to us, says Tim. What do you what do you think about that? I never enjoyed suicides <laughs> as an athlete, so I'm not sure that I could support those as, you know, a way to cure the cure the penalties. But look, I think the penalties, to be honest, is part of the mental side effects of the mm-hmm. Ohio State game, to be honest. Uh, and I said it like this. You only had four against Ohio State. Right. I said it like this. Um, I felt like Notre Dame went through a bad breakup in that <laughs> Ohio State game. And, you know, when you have a bad breakup, your friends try to get you back out there to get you to yourself. And the first time you go out, you feel really uncomfortable. Right. And the second and third time you go out, you start to feel more like yourself. And I think this Louisville game is when Notre Dame will start to feel a little bit more like themselves. And then when they uh, face USC, they'll be even closer to what they were before the Ohio State game. So 
It's just about them getting back to being who they are. And that's the mental approach. And that's something that the coaching staff and Coach Freeman, that's the challenge that's laid before them. So, you know, get their mental back and get them focused on the task at hand and to get them to grab a hold to the fact that they're a really good team. Like, no doubts. We understand what happened against Ohio State. Mm -hmm. In spite of that, you're still one of the top five to eight teams in the nation. And we have business to take care of so we can get to the college football playoff. If, I mean, for me, that's that's what it comes down to. Because if they're focused, then I think the penalties would take care of themselves. And look, the false starts obviously stand out. And you could see that they made a switch as the game went on. They weren't using the clap count mm-hmm. in the second half. They got away from the clap, and you saw Sam Hartman doing the leg kick for the snap. And Jesse cued me into this when he was watching the game. And then I, when I went back and watched it, I could see some of it. Like the first false start on Zeke Carell, the middle linebacker goes up to one of the defensive tackles and smacks him twice mm-hmm. on the leg, simulating the snap count. And you could see some of, and as I watched the game, you could see some of that stuff going on. Duke was simulating the claps that Sam Hartman was doing, whether right. it was you know, that specific instance, Pat, you know, slapping a defensive tackle on the butt or, you know, actual just clapping and stuff like that. So they were simulating snap counts, which is not supposed to happen. That is supposed right. to be a penalty. On but them. I, mean, I don't think anyone's shocked that that wasn't called a no. penalty in that well, game. There's right. a laundry list of things that went against Notre Dame from, right. uh, you know, a right. refing standpoint. I will, give it to, I will give it to the Duke crowd because – like, we were knocking NC State a few weeks ago. Oh, is it truly a home-field advantage? And I don't feel like it was that much of a home-field advantage. Duke Stadium has a much smaller capacity than NC State, and it was a, it was a, it was a lively environment. And, you know, like they needed either yeah. the clap or the silent. And, you know, some of that had to do with it as well. When you've got that much crowd noise and and you've got, a, you know, you had a couple receivers who yeah. jumped off sides. Just with what's the count? What are we hearing? What are we – you know, those kind of things – some of that stuff's going to happen, but you do need better mental focus. That's I mean, the stuff like Cam Hart lining up all sides as a, right. the cornerback. It's like, now, those things have nothing to do with crowd noise. That's, that's focus. Yeah. Uh, John Baptiste jumping into the zone and literally st- staying there and not trying to get back. Those are just mental focus issues. And like I said, I think those things will dissolve. Uh, we'll start to see the dissolution of some of those things against Louisville on Saturday night. I really do. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know that you, I just don't think that you see colleges using, you know, like the, that kind of drastic punishment anymore to alleviate some of that stuff. Like our high school coaches were good at doing that. You know, Oh, they definitely were. (laughs) Absolutely. Oh man. I know. Scott says we'll have our seventh game in seven weeks, soon to be followed by our eighth game after midterms. That's, of course, USC next week. What can and should Notre Dame football be doing to provide an ideal balance between rest and being ready to win both games? I would just say Marcus Freeman addressed that this week. They have the GPSs on these mm-hmm. players, and they know, like, between practice and games, they know who's got, you know, either – they know the snap counts these guys have. They they yeah. know the exertion these guys have. You know, whether it's, you know, like because of the GPS, they can tell, you know, just like your your Fitbit or your Apple Watch or whatever, like 
they know if it's if it's an exerted run, is it just a jog? Is it what you know, all those kind of things. So he gets that data, he said, every Sunday, and then Monday they have a meeting about it. They go over all this stuff. And uh, so I think that that is that's that's definitely being addressed. And they know, you know, kind of during the week, based on this data, they're getting who needs to be dialed down, who's OK, and that kind of thing. So there's there's a lot of science behind it. And I'm, I'm more than confident, you know, they still have the the massages and the chamber, yeah. you know, the, the the you know, like the massage chambers and all those different things as well. There's all kinds <clears throat> of bells and whistles over there. You know, I think they'll be just fine. They've got they've got they literally you know, hire masseuses to take care right. of their muscles and they have chiropractors to take care of their, their spines and all, you know, all that stuff as well. So I, I think, I think they'll be fine with all the modern data that they've got rolling through there. Yeah. I spoke with Cam McDaniel and that's right up his alley. The company he works with is a uh, recovery restoration of the body. Okay. The electrons and, and, um, and all of that stuff. Um, I think he believes in what Notre Dame is trying to do. And he said he loves the direction that Marcus Freeman is trying to go, which, you know, I wish Marcus Freeman said he started that before Matt Bayless actually left. They had a discussion about the changes he wanted to make. So you start talking about that. But there is a that's something else that Cam pointed out. He said not only getting these guys to recover for the game, but he said you really need to watch how they practice because every day – these young men are dealing with course loads at the University of Notre Dame. They're dealing with regular life and they're dealing with football. And he said some injuries happen because people come to practice and they're not all there mentally. And he said that's, that's right. when you get a lot of injuries, soft tissue injuries. So the mental aspect of the staff being in tune with the players and making sure that everybody has a good mental space. It's a good point. Even during the week practicing goes a long way to what they talked about, making sure that everyone's healthy and they can get up to the bye week. I don't know why they didn't put a bye week early on this schedule. Man. It's, man, it is. I mean, it crazy. is a rough stretch. It, especially, you know, they didn't know that these, that this stretch of games here was going to end up all being against ranked and unranked opponents and they were all yeah. going to be prime time yeah. as well but you knew you had ohio state and yeah. usc a couple of weeks apart and it's a tough stretch it is it, it especially as you get to the end of it that's that's yeah. when you're really challenged i think to kind of do what you're talking about keep that mental focus and make sure yeah. that your mind is in the right place because you do have midterms coming up next week as well oh. and that's always a thing you know like with, when you talk about mental that's a big yeah it's a big thing mental fatigue and notre dame has traditionally struggled is it the week of midterms or the week after i remember after. doing a little hoax there it was after yeah yeah yep i remember that mr 2.0 asks what we're thinking we see from the offense this week does parker lean into the tight ends more do you expect more New wrinkles slash creativity. Which players get consistent touches and targets this week? It's interesting because I had disappointment in the game plan, watching the game live. And then I got an opportunity to talk to Brian Driscoll and then see some things, some all, some uh, all 22 still okay. shots. And I was like, you know what? The game plan wasn't that bad. You know, and the offensive line could have played better. 
we know they were short on receivers, mm-hmm. you know. But I think I would like to see what I saw early on. Traditionally, for the last 10 years, I think everybody can say we have pretty consistently had to watch Notre Dame's offense struggle to get the play call in and constantly be up against the play clock, even out of timeouts. It's been the weirdest thing in the world. Like, why are we always struggling up against the play clock and to get a playoff? And early in the season, the tempo and the energy that Notre Dame was playing with, it seemed like the calls were getting in quick. They were getting to the line of scrimmage quick. Sam Hartman had had a chance to make checks, change protection, and change calls. And then they went off and were successful. And against Ohio State and Duke, it looked like the pace and the tempo slowed down a little bit. And they were a little more stagnant. I don't know if it was the elevation of the importance of the games that caused that. But I want to see them get back to that. More pace, more tempo, more efficient, getting to the line of scrimmage a little bit quicker, and then getting them, giving Sam a chance to look at the defense and then go ahead and play efficient football. That's the one thing I really want to see the offense do differently. Uh, Jared Parker, I, I think he's done a good job. I really do, because I really think, honestly, that Notre Dame in the first half realistically probably left 13 points on the field just from mm-hmm. drop passes and penalties. Yeah. It, it, I mean, they were successful. They just kept stubbing their toes. And, I mean, and it's, it sounds a little cliche, but literally, you know, and, and like we, we kind of knocked on both Golden and Parker last week for falling back mm-hmm. on, well, we just have to execute it better. I mean, you're right. There were, there were too many drop passes that, that keep the chains moving. And They're just, in the red zone. Too many penalties. Rico drops a first down pass on the two-yard line. Yeah. Right? Then they get backed up, and they eventually miss the field goal. It's like you can't miss opportunities like that. That's If Rico catches that ball on the two-yard line, I venture to say the chances are that they're going to run the ball in from there are pretty good. Something something else Jared Parker talked about yesterday when he was kind of talking about last week's game plan is just – he knows that he needs to probably adjust a little bit better. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, he, yeah. he came out and said that, that he needs to make those adjustments better. And that's, that's kind of, that was kind of my take on Monday after watching that and, you know, really watching some of the last two games against Duke yeah. and in Ohio state one, two good defenses they're playing, yeah. but two, when you are playing good defenses and something's not working like, Saturday against Duke seemed like the extreme. Like you can't just keep trying to pound Hundrick <laughs> Estime as good as he is Absolutely. into the middle of that line and hope for a different Absolutely. result. They do they do tend to run a lot. Like when I go back and look at, at the play-by-play, they do tend to run a lot on first down. And so that's a simple adjustment there, mixing things up, what you're doing, the kinds of runs you're running on first down. Use a little bit more play action on first down and, you know, take your shots downfield and things like this, because this defense this week and really the next two weeks is going to present Notre Dame more chances to score and make more plays, I think, downfield than the last couple of weeks. They played two really good defenses back to back and the next two that they're going to play, Louisville is not horrible. They're not as bad as USC, but at the no. same time, they're not as good, nearly as good as either one of these other two defenses. They're going to give them more opportunities, I think, yeah. to, to do some stuff downfield specifically especially when you get the receivers back. That was that that is a factor as well. When you're down to three receivers, you can play. That was a big yeah. factor. 
Yeah, I felt like against Ohio State, they weren't aggressive enough. But then, yeah. even with three wide receivers, they came out very aggressive, trying to throw the ball over the top to Tobias right off the bat. And like I said, I think, like you said, the adjustments, getting the running backs involved in the passing game. Uh, I mean, Jeremiah Love, can we see him maybe four to five more times? And, like, the screen game has just all but disappeared. Like, you Absolutely. see one here and there. And, yeah. and when a defense is getting after you, just hit them with that screen because yeah. these running backs have shown that, that they, I mean, they can take one to the house yeah. if, if you're going to do You know, just because you almost got one horribly blown up against Ohio State, <laughs> Ohio State. screen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, kind of on that same subject, what percentage chance we see Braylon James and Nolan Ziegler the next two weeks? Um, I just think it's zero with Braylon James. If we were going to see Braylon James before the bye week, it was going to be last week as last depleted week. as they were. It was, yeah. If he was ready, he would have been on the field even for five to eight snaps to give some of those other guys more of a break. Ziegler, on the other hand, is someone that Marcus Freeman said Monday is very close to getting back. It sounds like, you know, it's it's kind of like conditioning and kind of getting himself into football shape and and that kind of thing, he yeah. could very well be back in the next couple of week, weeks. And if he's back and he performs anything like what we saw from him during spring practice, that's going to be a big boost to, to like the nickel dime packages and stuff like that that Notre Dame has defensively with his athletes. Absolutely. The depth, the continued depth that they have at linebacker. And I'm, I'm sure everybody's like frustrated. I know I'm frustrated because the linebackers, have no problem getting into the backfield. Right. I, I, I think I told Brian, like, if I see another linebacker in the backfield <laughs> with a shot on a running back that just whiffs, I was like, I might throw something through the TV. It was like, because it's, come on, tackling, tackling, tackling. But I agree with you on Braylon James. And I want to say this. Um, Marcus Freeman has said it. Tommy Reese has said it. And recently... Um, I think Deion Sanders mentioned it during a press conference. As fans, as much as we want to see, because it's exciting to always see the young freshmen and the young players get their opportunity. But when these coaches come to the press conference and say, this young man isn't ready, you have to believe them. Right. If, if they tell you he's I mean, not ready. They're playing, almost, they're playing two other freshmen out there. So it's not like right. it's not like the previous regime where they have this belief that freshmen can't help you. They're, they're playing two yeah. other freshmen. So if they thought yeah. Braylon James was was ready to go and could help, he'd be out there. I have no yeah. doubt about that. Like Deion Sanders has the number one defensive back recruit, Kermani McClain, that didn't play the first four games. And the media is like, yo, why is he playing? And he said he's not ready. Right. He's not mature enough yet. He's right. not taking care of his business the way he should. He's and got he Edwards out there on the offensive Absolutely. side of the ball. So. Absolutely. So we have to trust these coaches that when they tell us that these young men aren't ready, and they're just not ready to come out on that big stage. Speaking of the wide receivers, there's a couple there's, – there's a handful of chancy, stucky wide receiver questions that we can kind of work in here at the same time. So USMA 87 – what does Stucky need to do to get Merriweather on track? 
Bubs, what is your opinion on the coaching job of Chancey Stuckey? He's working with some guys that were highly sought after coming out of high school, and no one seems to be improving. So what do you think about those, Sean Davis? Um, I'll start with the, the second one okay, and, and push back just a little bit. Um, Rico, for two straight weeks, has been a very clutch receiver in the fourth quarter. Yep. Had a touchdown late against Ohio State. Had a pass interference call late on that last drive, and he caught a ball on that last drive. So you have a freshman making an impact. Jaden Greathouse has made an impact. So um, to say no one is improving under him, I, I will push back. And all of these kids move at a different pace. They just do. You just can't expect everybody to move at the same pace. For me, Tobias Merriweather is a byproduct of missed opportunity last year. I think they had opportunities to instill confidence in him last year, and they didn't take advantage of that. So he came into this year trying to uh, really get his confidence up at the same time trying to develop as a wide receiver. And on top of that, and then I'll let you take it away. Um, I know Malik and I got word during the spring that his mentality really wasn't there yet. The skills are there. The physical attributes are there. But mentally, it was almost like, okay, the coaching staff, we're waiting for him to kind of like realize mm -hmm. how good he can be. Right. So now it's all about confidence Malik mentioned this he said go watch the drag route that he dropped he didn't expect to get the ball that's why his hands went up in a lazy fashion right he's coming on the drag and he's not he's not expecting a ball he sees it late he's that's why he dropped it and he said I don't know if it's a disconnect between him and Sam or but mentally you have to run every route with purpose even if you're the third or fourth option right if nothing else you have to sell your route Absolutely. And he and, said, when you see someone like that, not expecting to get the ball, he said, that's mental, that's confidence. And he said, that's all with him. Once he gets his confidence, because he's always open. What He he beat Al Blaze, their number one defensive back, deep three times. Right. Had him by four or five yards two or three times. And it's like getting open isn't a problem. The concentration, the drops. And just the mental focus and the confidence. And I told Notre Dame fans, it's real easy to be down on him and to say disparaging things about him. What's even more effective is to send them some love. Heck, send them a direct message on social media. Tell them we got your back. Tell them you're still our guy. You know, because that's what the coaching staff is telling them. Right. You know, so instead of going the negative route, you know, just understand that he's developing as a young man and everybody can't be Rico Flores and Jaden Greathouse and walk in with confidence as freshmen. They walked onto campus with confidence. So. And the biggest thing with Tobias, I think is just what you're talking about. It's all between the ears. It's just about, mm -hmm. you know, not just gaining some confidence, but, but making sure that when you're like Marcus Freeman talked about Howard Cross the other day, about how he is one of the most intentional players they have on every rep in practice. If you want it to translate, 
from the practice field to Saturday, or, you know, if you want it to translate to Saturday, yeah. it's got to start on the practice field. And that's, yeah. we, we in, in the opportunities we had over there during training camp, it was, it was more inconsistent, I think, than we thought it was going to be. There's talent yeah. there. We all know there's Absolutely. talent there, but, it, but it's just about right here. And, and in terms of Chancey Stuckey, you know, like, you know, we're like, we can see when a player or, or when a coach is, you know, is like barking at guys and using the negative stuff. I just, I don't feel like watching this coaching staff, like there's a lot of the negative stuff going on. It's, it's a very typically positive environment. Now, obviously we don't get to see meeting rooms when they're breaking down film and all that different kind of stuff. And we're not at practice anymore, but I just, I I don't, I personally don't have any doubts about the way Chancey Stuckey is coaching. I, I think that it is still about just, just, just reps with these guys and time with him and, and just development still. And he's only been here for a little bit more than a year at this point. Sean, don't you think coaching. Sorry about that. Don't you think coaching is very similar to parenting? Oh, and every, sure. every child is not the same. Right. So everybody in that wide receiver room is not the same. Right. And you're dealing with really confident kids that came in as freshmen. You're dealing with a kid that came in. He might have been confident. But to be honest, he really didn't. None of the wide receivers really had a quarterback last year to be able to take advantage of their skill sets. <laughs> so no, I mean that, that's a great point too. That's absolutely like to an extent, especially the guys who were here last year, because yeah. as we've talked about, guys like Flores and Greathouse, who came from good high school programs and came in mm -hmm. very highly developed to go along with the skills and you know just the talent that they've got, they were ahead just because of that. But yeah, yeah it's it's a challenge. Yeah, it's a challenge, and you know. You try to teach and give each guy what they need. And ultimately, like I said, like parents, eventually we have to trust what we poured in and then allow it to go be tested. And, you know, at some point, Tobias is going to have to take accountability right, for his uh, football career and say to himself, yo, it's time for me to change my life. Right. Yeah. D Troll Hunter, uh, thanks for the super chat. He's probably out of here by now, but he said that he had to jump out. So we do appreciate the uh, the super chat from Mr. Troll Hunter. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Scott, does Sam Hartman struggle with play action passes? Why isn't Notre Dame using play action more effectively? It's a, it's a very legitimate question considering how well they run the ball. Yeah. You know, with the exception of last week, really. I don't know if it's so much that he struggles with play action passes, but he is adapting to a pro style offense. And with his experience, a lot of people might have expected the transition to be seamless. But, you know, I think we've seen a couple of things happen within the last two weeks. And this is funny, right? Because you watch their offense struggle to put points on the board and you say to yourself, okay, is it the quarterback play? Is it the O-line? Is it Jared Parker? And really, honestly, it's a gumbo in a mixed bag of everything happening happening simultaneously. Mm -hmm. It really is, right? Uh, The emotions of the loss to Ohio State mixed with losing your wide receiving core (laughs) to injury and mixed that with the offensive line not having one of its best games and then Sam Hartman missing a couple of reads or a couple of passes and then add in Mike Elko, who's a great coach, and a really good defense that he has. And you get what we saw on Saturday night in connection with Ohio State. And that's just football, right? We just watched Washington won by a touchdown over Arizona, and they were favored by 17 points, right? Colorado made a game of it against USC late Mm -hmm. after they were getting blown out. Georgia was a double-digit favorite against Auburn. And they were tied with like seven minutes left in the game. So this is college football. And this is just football. I think Howard Cross said that in the post game, he was asked about, you know, are you guys surprised that the game was as close as it was? And he said, man, this, this is the game. This is football. This right. is what happens sometimes, you know? So I don't think Sam really struggles with play action passes, but I do think, um, that they throws, need to use it more? <laughs> I think they need to use it more. And I would like to see, see him under center run and play action a little bit more than to run it from the shotgun. Because I don't know how your fate can really be, how good your fate can be if you're not a running threat Yeah, from the shotgun. Yeah. If he was a running threat, then it would definitely be more effective. Well, and again, they've run so much on first down. And, I, you know, I haven't looked – over all the, you know, to look at, you know, every first down, what they're doing, but especially Mm -hmm. drive starters, we've seen them run quite a bit. And in in general, it seems like they run a lot on first down. And when you do run that much on first down, it's like, like I've been saying for a few weeks, I would just love to see them go play action on the very first play of the game and take a shot someplace downfield. But what they typically do is come right out running the football. And, but that's, Again, it's like you they've got to they've, they've got to figure out what their tendencies are and break it. And as a new offensive coordinator, that's that's something that uh, Jared Parker has to kind of be able to look at with some self-critique and figure some of that stuff out, figure out where his tendencies are. And maybe the head coach can help nudge him along there as well, because they have piles of analytics. You know, they, they've, they've talked about it. They've got piles of analytics, but and they didn't do any good if you're not using it the right way. And they did that against Ohio State. Remember, they really didn't uh, they didn't really unveil the two back set until Ohio State. Yeah. 
And the reason they did that is because they knew Ohio State's linebackers, and I'm sure Jesse can, can tell you about this. Their linebackers are so aggressive coming downhill in the run game. When you throw that lead blocker in as the running back, and then you can crease them, yeah, it was difficult for them to operate and make plays in the backfield like they're used to making. Exactly. And that was something that I loved in the Ohio State game. Like, okay, that's a nice little wrinkle that you didn't show early that took them and kept them off balance. And now you continue to add to that, like you said, evolve each week, play action, and throw the ball on first down and, you know, take advantage of, advantage of defenses. Because now, after the last two weeks, I venture to say that Jeff Brom and his staff are saying, hey, this 88, number 88, uh, we need to pay attention to him. Right. Like he, he's pretty good. But that's also going to leave some opportunities for number 13. And it's going to leave some opportunities. And that's that's why you can't get too hung up, I think, as we've talked about with this offense, from one game to the next. Like, who's getting the catches here? Who's getting the uh, – it can change in a hurry from week mm -hmm. to week based yeah. on based on who you're playing and, and just how that coverage rolls. That's that's generally what they've done such a good job of is, is Sam Hartman – not just locking in on one guy like we saw yeah. so much of last year with with 87. It, the ball is is going all over the place. And even though the offense has maybe stagnated a little bit mm -hmm. in the last couple of weeks, I, I I think that in the long run it's it's going to be fine. I think yeah. I think we're going to see I think we're going to see a difference this week. Yep. I totally agree. David said he loved the hype video with the coach's overlay. Could one of you help me understand what it means to tell Audric to cheat? The left side. I think that's what they told him. They basically they told him to cheat to 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 edge out. And they you heard I think it was Dylan McCullough before they they left the sideline. He said, yeah. you know, get over there to the tackle if you need yeah. to. He was basically just telling him to widen out because they knew they were going to need him as a blocker out there in space to keep Sam Hartman protected for that throw that he was going to make. And that's exactly what happened. So just they're basically just telling him to slide his split out a little bit farther in the backfield toward the tackle so he'd be there and be ready to block. When he, when yeah, he because of what they expected. Look, Mike Elko, um, I think, made two fatal mistakes. The last series, he was getting to Notre Dame, especially after the offensive pass interference, mm -hmm. via the pressure. They were having great success with pressure. And then you, know, you only bring three on the fourth down and drop eight. <laughs> and Sam Hartman does what he does. Uh -huh. And then I think the other mistake he made was there's no way I'm giving Notre Dame the ball back. I got fourth and four. And if I can convert this in Notre Dame's territory, I can run the clock out. I'm going for it. I would much rather go for it than pooch punt because I don't want to give Sam Hartman the ball. I just don't. But I guess that show he had more faith in his defense. That had played well right. all night. That has all especially, especially you know, because they figured they were going to catch Notre Dame off guard, and they obviously yeah. did exactly what they wanted to with that pooch. Mm -hmm. They pinned them deep inside their own ten yard line, and it you know got even deeper <laughs> with the false start. You're right. I mean, the way his defense had been playing, yeah, he had confidence in it. But as you said, just like Al Golden a week before, the defense that he called on that Man. pivotal play was just all the difference in the world. It's almost like you talk yourself out of it. Yeah. You say to yourself, okay, we, we, we blitzed three plays in a row. They're probably expecting it 
and they probably have something that they can go against the blitz right now. So let's let's just fall back. And that's what a mistake was. Yep. Irish Gordian Knot. Who's your favorite former Notre Dame player to watch in the NFL right now? Vegas has been a huge disappointment with how they're not utilizing Mayer. Do you have a favorite Notre Dame player to watch? As of right now, with his success, Kyron Williams has been fantastic for the Rams. He has. Yeah, he's been fantastic for the Rams. And then I'm happy to see Harrison Smith having another all-pro season early, the way he is. Even though the, the Vikings, I think they're one and three and they're struggling, Harrison Smith has had a fantastic start to his season. Cole Komet had a nice week last week, but that's like you, you get her like two, two or three of those a season, and that's yeah. unfortunately been it with that Bears offense. I mean, mine is mine is an easy one because I've got I've got the best right guard in the NFL in Zach Martin on my team, the Cowboys. So that is my favorite guy to watch. The only thing that frustrates me is like when they get in short yardage situation and they, they go left instead of right, you know, you can ask Jesse, I'm texting him all the time. If you're yeah. going short yardage, you get behind number seven. Behind number seven. There are no other options. Right. That's right. That's right. The, the left tackle is still hurt, right? Yeah. Tyrod. Yep. How do you, how do you see, you think they get a win this weekend? I'm not very confident okay. <laughs> after after watching the way the Cardinals were able to roll over them a yeah. couple of weeks ago. I'm just not very confident in this 49ers game. And the fact that, I, you know, we're, we're staying up late Saturday night for Notre Dame right. and Louisville. And then I've got to yeah. stay up late Sunday night Yeah, to watch that. I'm just I'm, I'm not <clears throat> I'm not very I will be. I You know, I am curious to see if they can slow down that 49ers offense but yeah. what's what's still been the been the problem and it was the problem against arizona arizona just came out and Smash smashed out. Mouth it. Yeah. came at him and that's you know that that's what san francisco is going to do with cmc yeah. so yeah. i'm not i'm not the most confident person in the world in that game <laughs> unfortunately let me see some super chats from Tyler Evans. Thank you very much. Which team is the biggest disappointment this season? I've been thinking about this, and I just – I don't know. Oh, I'll go ahead and be petty. Okay. LSU. Yeah. That's actually – as soon as I said I don't know, that that one came to mind. And I'll, I'll be petty Yeah, for, for everyone. It's LSU has been a huge disappointment. Yep. They almost lost to Arkansas at home. They go on the road and lose to Ole Miss. They still have Texas A&M on the schedule. That could be another loss. They still have Alabama on the schedule. That could be another loss. And who? Uh, let's see. Alabama plays A&M this weekend. LSU plays Missouri, which yeah. is going to be another tough game this week. So, boy, it might be a tough season. BK loses to Missouri. Hey, all he bets be. are off now, huh? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I didn't I think, realize I didn't I realize how good the wide receiver core and the quarterback from Missouri have been this year, mm -hmm. and that's the weakness of that LSU defense. Their defensive yep. backfield can't stop anybody. Yep. Carmel Humphrey said Florida, LSU, Texas A and M. I mean, A and M's only lost once so far. They Interesting Miami, one for them right? with Alabama this weekend, yeah. though. But Florida for sure. Like Florida going to to Utah and losing to Utah. Two years in a row. I, and I then they have an impressive win against Tennessee at home. Right. 
And then they go on the road against Kentucky and just put up a stinker. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Another super chat from Tyler. He says he can't watch the kicking game. It's <laughs> it's special teams have been a little shakier this year than what we got to see last year. Yeah. Yeah. I was concerned about uh you know them wanting estimate to go down at the one. I I had no interest in seeing Gary no. Schrader take the field. No. With that pressure. And I no. mean, like, you know, like watching that that hype video. Right. That's like the only negative I would take out of that is when you heard what Marcus Freeman was was talking about, hey, maybe he should have gone down at the one and then we use more clock and we leave him no time when we kick the field goal. But I mean, obviously, he was trying to set that up to where yeah. estimate, even if he only gained two or three yards or whatever, they were going to let that clock wind as much as possible and try to kick the field goal from there. And like yeah. from the 30 yard line, that's a 47 yard field goal. That's not a gimme by any means. I, no. I wanted no part of that. None at all. None. <laughs> Here's another recruiting question for you from USMA 87. Can Notre Dame overcome their early missteps with Justin Scott and flip him? It's going to take a lot of prayer from the fan base. <laughs> I mean, they, they're they're doing their job, you know, and they've yet they thought they might be able to get them on campus for the Ohio State game, and you know, beating Ohio State would have gone a long way to putting something on the, in the back of his mind. But you know, they're working at it. Hey, the staff is working at it, so we'll see. But I mean, that's all point, they can do. That's all they can. I do. I think that. You know, I do tend to agree with some of the other commenters there. It's like they're working on it if they get him great, but obsessing yeah. over it at this point, months after he's committed and everything, it's like move on, focus on the guys that you got. It's unfortunate that, that they weren't able to get him, but I, I do kind of agree. You know, that ship, I think, for the most part has sailed. Keep working on him if you can, because, I mean, look at Audrick Estime. He was a last-minute yes. flip. Last you know, like flip. Those things happen. He's not the only one. You know, they you can flip guys late, but yeah. I wouldn't get too hung up on it. <laughs>